Pulp MX Network production. To this day, when I hear that song, I see you standing there on that lawn. Discount shades, store bought tan, flip flops, and cut off jeans. Somewhere between that. A new view from inside the truck. X-Racer to Racer and Eye to Eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Pro Glow Wash, Works Connection, Bass Foundry, TL Speed Shop, Grandstone Boots, and Fly Racing. Welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas. It is September 12th, 2023, and we are in between rounds one and two of the inaugural Super Motocross World Championship playoffs. And say what you want about the series name. Super Motocross is not my favorite name of all time, but I do commend everybody involved uh, that's put this together. The behind the scenes collaboration and cooperation between Feld Entertainment, MX Sports, and uh, NBC Universal to get this done uh, is it's like nothing I've seen. Um, it really has been impressive every step of the way from the track building to the AMA's involvement with the rules. You know, they created new rules for these events. Um, the organization on the weekends, everybody working together, track maintenance is a cooperation between both organizations. Like it really has been a coming together of a lot of different things, which I never thought would be possible. Been around the sport, you know, most of my life, and uh, I've seen how separated it has been. And uh, just, you know, there's like two different series and two different groups, and nobody ever wanted to work together. And it was almost like they treated each other like they didn't exist. And I mean, it, we got along, you know, we got away with it. Like things kept going, the sport moved on, but it was never disunited. There was not any sort of, uh, you know, working towards common goals and really trying to propel the sport forward. None of that really existed. So this is, this is really great. And uh, I know it's not perfect. You know, I didn't necessarily love the ZMAX Dragway venue. Uh, yeah, I'm okay with saying that. Like, I don't have to like everything. Just because I work on the broadcast team and I'm, I'm involved in these races doesn't mean I have to love everything about it. You know, I, I think it's, it can be constructive criticism where I'm not tearing anything down. I would just, I would like to see different venues like what I think this series is the pinnacle of racing, right? It's the coming together of two different series to determine a an overall grand champion. And I think the venues should reflect that. And I know it's the first one. and I know it's probably very challenging when you're talking about baseball season is on, football season is on, soccer, like every, every stadium probably has events going on, summer concerts, like you name it, there's something going on at these venues. So I, I do empathize with them trying to find the venue that would reflect events of this magnitude and the amount of money on the line. So I, it's not like I can't empathize with that or understand it. I just wish there was a better solution. And, and I think we will come to that down the line. Like, I don't think this is the end all be all like perfect scenario. We absolutely nailed every aspect of it. It's learning. It's learning from everybody because no one's ever done this and no one's ever done it in September. And there's a, there's a ton of new 
variables that people are working through. So I'm going to be patient with that. Um, I'm going to take the good with the bad. I thought the event was pulled off nicely. Um, and, I, and I think it will continue to improve over the years. Uh, before we talk about the racing, I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast, Pirelli Tires. Check out that new Diablo Super Corsa SPV4, which is a street tire. Some of you probably don't ride street bikes. I get it. Uh, in that case, go check out the Scorpion MX32. It's my favorite off-road tire. Guts Racing, seat covers for power sports and e-bikes, complete seats for betas, Kawasaki's, that new uh, Saran, uh, you know, bicycle that's like an e-bike, almost like a BMX bike-ish. It's pretty badass. Um, they have seats for those. Plum Creek funding, interest rates are raging out of control. Ask questions, find out the most up-to-date information. What can you do to save yourself a lot of money if you have to buy something? Like I was talking to uh, a business friend of mine that was in town this week uh, in the industry, motorcycle industry world, and he's buying a house right now. Like he, he has to move. Uh, you know, he's already made a decision he's moving, right? So that takes it's not like a lot of people where they're looking at it and they're like, eh, rates are too high. I don't want to deal with that. No, he's moving. So he's got to make smart decisions. And this is something for a lot of people that's, that's going on. I talked to another friend of mine that they're having to move to Boise because of work relocation. They don't have a choice. So in that scenario, you can't just wait it out. You've got to make smart decisions. And I think Plum Creek funding is the place to go for solutions or at least to get the best advice possible. Last week, I told you about the new sponsorship from Concept Coatings Design Co. Uh, this is a company that is originally based out of Perth, Australia, but they are moving an office to Temecula, California. They specialize in anodizing, laser engraving, uh, custom bike builds. And the coolest part of this to me is they're going to have a full race shop. So they'll have trackside support. They will be able to do full race bike builds. So if you're a privateer, if you're maybe you're turning pro and you need a place to have like a pit shop, somewhere to make your home base out of, this is going to be a perfect setup for you. So you can contact me. You can also go on their Instagram, which is Concept Coatings Design Co. On Instagram, check out all their, their work that they do on wheels and, and bicycle frames and all sorts of motorcycle parts. Um, but I, I really think that race shop side that they're building in Temeco is gonna be pretty awesome. So check them out. Works Connection, Yamaha foot peg mounts, that new chain gauge, which is really cool. Pro-launch start device. Everybody gets good starts on pro-launch start device. We know that, right? That's why factory Honda uses it. That's why Monster Star Yamaha uses it is because it's the best in the business. Pro Glow Wash, Power Sports Formulated Wash. Why would you choose anything else? You know, Power Sports enthusiasts, motorcycle people, and they made a great product for exactly what you need it for. International BetMX Series, the last event of the season is coming up this weekend, September 15th and 16th in Lewiston, Idaho. Go to oldtimersmx.com for more information there. Highly recommend uh, checking that race out. If you're not going to Chicago, why not go to Lewiston, Idaho, Lewiston, Idaho and have yourself a great weekend. TL Speed Shop, Jason Cobb, I'll get to see him in LA in a little over a week. They have a fantastic side-by-side -side getaway program uh, based in Wickenburg, Arizona. You can fly down to Phoenix, join them, ride in their side-by-sides, obviously drive them. Uh, they've been doing a lot of pre-running the Baja event. They're preparing for that. So if that's something you'd want to do or you just want to go to like winery, but you can take side-by-sides or you can go sightseeing. There's all sorts of custom trips you can build with TL Speed Shop. It's a really, really cool program they have there. Grantstone Boots, go to grantstoneshoes.com. Check those out. They have just a fantastic product. Um, I, it's, it's amazing. I've talked about it on this show quite a bit, but the progression in the quality and the look 
that that company has made over the years that I've been involved with them is is nothing short of tremendous. Um, I've been very, very impressed because I'm somewhat in that same line, right? Apparel and you're trying to continually improve your products and you have a wide, a wide range that's always growing. Uh, they have just done a great job with that, in my opinion. And then last but not least, Fly Racing and flyracing.com. Check out the new 2024 Atlanta products. Okay, now the business is out of the way. We can talk about the racing. And the 250 class, right? Obviously 250, 450, and it resets. And for those of you who haven't been paying attention, uh, the reset goes back to what you would particularly get in one event, right? So if you were leading the points like Hunter Lawrence, you started with 25 points going in, okay? You went 25, 22, 20, all the way down to 22nd, had one point that were, uh, excuse me, all the way down to those who were seated in the top 20, down to one point. And then those who had to qualify in, you started with zero points, but you know we, we moved forward from there. So this first event was a single point event. So for a guy like Hunter Lawrence, he was first going in with 25 points and then he got what, eighth on the weekend or whatever he got. So uh, you know that wasn't that awesome. So I think he has like 38 points. I'm not looking at it, so I'm going off memory, but something like that. Uh, but it's a unique format and it's going to get really wacky because the second round goes to double points. So first place will pay 50 points, second place will pay 44 points, and on and on. And then the third round will pay triple points. So first place will pay 75, third, uh, second place would pay 66, third place would pay 60, uh, and so on. So the better you do, the later you do, the more important that result will be. Um, so I think it's going to be a wild couple of weeks. The points are going to get really shaken up, unless we just have a crazy amount of consistency. I don't necessarily expect that. I think we're going to get some differing results. Maybe not at the very top. Maybe, you know, like 450 class, Sexton and Jed are still going to be really good. We know that. But in the 250 class, I think guys will be bouncing around quite a bit. Um, it's just going to make the, uh, the points really interesting. And there's a ton of money up for grabs. Don't forget, you know, like just because they're on 250s, like Joe Shimoda made 50 grand for his win. That's not counting team bonuses or anything like that, which is a ton of money too. And then... For the championship in the 250 class, it's it's 500K. It's half a million dollars for the championship in the 250 class. 450 class, double that. So it's 100K. Sexton won 100K plus whatever his Honda bonuses and Alpine Stars bonuses and whatever else he gets. And then it's a million to win the championship in the 450. So there is a ton of money up for grabs for these guys. And, you know, like somebody asked Sexton either at the press conference, I think it was a press conference about the money up for grabs going in and he's like, yeah, you know, whatever it's money. I don't think about that. Listen, everybody thinks about it. Okay. Is it his number one motivating factor? Probably not. Cause he's a millionaire already, but it still matters. Guys race for money, period. End of story. You know, at some point the money matters and the closer we get to LA, they're going to think about it. Now, will they admit they're thinking about it? Are they going to talk about it, make it a point? Probably not. There's no upside in doing that unless, you know, like Cooper Webb would. He, he doesn't care. Like, he's he's happy to talk about it. But most guys are going to just shrug their shoulders. But I can I can tell you as a guy who was in this spot, racing for money all over the world, of course you're thinking about the money. This is, this is your job. This is your, you know, you don't have any other skill set. There's no backup plan here. So the more money you can make and put away – the more secure your future is. It's it's really that simple. And for Chase Sexton, it's yeah, he may not think about it now, but I can guarantee you in ten or fifteen years, he's gonna be thinking about it. Um, you know, 
finances are a part of life. And uh, there's a lot of money and a lot of financial security up for grabs here. Um, so into the racing here, you know, Joe got it done, right? Like he absolutely followed through on what he showed us in Ironman. He went 1-1 one, in one Ironman. He went, what, 3-1-2-1, one, one, whatever it was this past weekend. But just a, a great performance, wins the overall. Puts him tied for the SMX points lead, which is pretty awesome. Um, he's tied with Hayden Deegan for the, the, the lead here. So he's tied for half a million dollars, right? And that's a, that's a really cool thing. And, and if you don't know Joe at all, like I don't know him really well, um, but I do know him a little bit and I've been around him. He is one of the most polite people you'll ever come across. And for those of you who have traveled extensively or maybe you know someone from Japan, that's not shocking, right? They have, they are very well-mannered. They have, they show lots of respect to everyone. That's just a cultural thing. That's how they are raised. That is very, very much bred into them. So it's not shocking to see Joe have that same approach um, and same uh, temperament when you talk to him. And, and I'm, I'm a Joe fan. I really like him. He's a really, really nice person. Hayden Deegan, uh, weird second moto, right? Like the first moto was amazing. And then the second one, he kind of just couldn't, hold the pace. I don't know if the, the crash in practice was taken at all, or maybe he, maybe he used too much energy in that first one. Uh, but he just kind of lost touch with that lead group of four. And then he couldn't do much about it. I, I didn't expect that. I thought he was going to come up with them and make it really interesting, but, uh, yeah, he couldn't do it. Just mistakes. And then he kind of lost, lost the draft there. Not that there's a real draft, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, those guys were all together so they could feed off of each other. Um, and he, yeah, wasn't able to kind of hang in there um, to uh, to get the overall win and go with him and, and try to chase that group down. But overall, I mean, he has to be happy leaving with, you know, tied for the points lead and being really back to form, especially in that first moto. I would be happy if I'm him. Uh, he proved that he can still win, and everything that he showed us this summer is still absolutely who he is and what he's about. Tom Biel. I don't know where that came from. I really don't. Um, that was wildly impressive. You know, I, I think it was a combination of really good starts and then not having any supercross whoops. Um, other than that, like there was no real uh, precursor to this. Like he's been riding fine. You know, it's not like he's been bad or anything. But that was that was much better. You know, than than I think most people expected. Now you could try to come up with reasons for it, right? He's really well-rounded because he's raced so many different tracks and formats and different types of dirt and all these things. So you could say he, his, his ability to adapt to situations is probably better than a lot of these guys, just because he's seen so many different uh, scenarios and had, had to kind of, um, he's had to figure things out more than most just, you know, he's from France. And, you know, if you watch the MX, MXGP series, you see how many different types of tracks they ride all over the world. And then he's had to race Supercross all year, figure that out. And he's had to race 12 brand or 11 brand new tracks, this Pro Motocross series. So um, he can probably deal with anything that's thrown at him at this point. So, uh, yeah, either way, great job. Uh, it was just much better than I kind of saw coming. Um, and that's okay. Great job from him. I, you know, I, I don't claim to be any sort of predictor of these things. I just uh, I didn't really count him as one of the likely podium guys, but he sure was. Hunter Lawrence, uh, it's a weird one, right? Um, he just wasn't on his game all day. He, he just wasn't, right? The 
starts were bad. The pace wasn't there. You know, in the second moto, I, I believe he had the 13th best lap time, which is very unhunter-like. So I don't know what to do with that. I talked to people in his camp this week, and they all just kind of shrugged their shoulders and said, yeah, well, you know, we'll figure it out this week, and, and we'll come back stronger at Chicago. Like, I don't think they had many answers uh, for what went on. So sometimes you just don't have your best stuff, you know, and you wonder if it's like a, a hangover from the Pro Motocross Championship where he just hasn't regained that fire yet because you take so much intensity and, and there's so much pressure and when that pressure pops, it's like a balloon. And maybe he's just still dealing with that. Doesn't have that fire burning in him at the moment because it, it's been raging all year. And he's had to be up and had to be on every single weekend. So I think this weekend will be a, a big test as far as what we're going to see. You know, if he just still is flat, then I wouldn't expect a lot. Um, I, I just think he's he's spent whatever he's had for the year, maybe. Uh, but there's a lot to play for, right? Like all the money I talked about, this championship, Motocross and Nations is still on the calendar. So if I'm him, I'm doing everything possible to figure things out and get back to form because there's a lot to be up for here. It's it, The job's, you know, mission accomplished as far as two championships, but the job's not quite done. And it would be a shame if he couldn't figure it out and get back to form over these next two races and then Motocross and Nations as well. Ryder Francisco. It's normally not on this podcast, but he deserves to be this week, man. Really, really solid ride in that second moto. And he was emotional after it, uh, you know, literal tears. Uh, but, but I think it was just a breakthrough, right? He didn't fade back. He didn't lose the pace. He didn't get tired. He didn't do whatever had been happening to him time and time and time again. I'm talking race after race, going back to even last season. It was the same thing over and over really good start really good pace and could not hold it would fade get past get pushed around and that wasn't happening uh that second moto he stayed right there stayed right on the pace and showed no signs of of caving at all uh and i don't know Ryder d really at all uh, but i was happy for him i, I even gave him you know i, I told him like I, i'm very impressed we've all kind of been waiting for that and uh, he should be very proud of himself um you could say that it's taken too long. I don't care. Like none of that matters to me. He got it done in that second moto and it's better late than never. So congratulations. Great job. Uh, Justin Cooper. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, he was really nowhere to be found. Uh, he got a pretty good start in the first moto and then crashed. And that, I don't know if that just set his day back or he just, he really wasn't able to move forward so much. Um, he was just kind of an also ran all day. And, uh, wasn't horrific or anything. It just, I don't know, wasn't anything special. And Justin Cooper is a special rider. You know, you look at how many podiums he's had in this 250 class. He's a former East Coast champion. You have certain expectations after so much success. And uh, I don't think he necessarily lived up to those. So we'll see what Chicago brings, but I don't think that was his best work. And I think he'd probably agree with that. You know, I think he deserves to, or he expects to be better than that. Jordan Smith. Great job. Um, much better than I anticipated. I guess I would put him in that Tom Vial space where I didn't necessarily have an expectation, but whatever that would have been, he exceeded that. His pace was good. He was charging. He didn't get tired. Um, so, yeah, all around, really, really nice job for Jordan, especially at a home race, right? He's from right down the road, so that had to feel good. RJ Hampshire is the last 250 guy I have notes on, and uh, just a horrible day all around. Uh, I think he would – Say the same. 
nothing went right. Speed wasn't there. Crashes, um, just everything that you would hope to avoid, he wasn't able to do. The one time I was watching him closely, he had a huge crash on like that hip double. And I was, oh, uh, probably shouldn't have been watching that. Um, just that type of day for RJ. And, and one, I'm sure he would love to get back. And I'm sure he will improve and get better. But it was just not not his day. So that's it for the, uh, the 250 class. And for those who are new listeners, probably not many of you. So I won't pretend there are. But there are a lot of loyal listeners to this podcast, which I appreciate. And we do the power rankings on this podcast. We go through the top 10 who I believe are the top 10 best riders in the class at the time. And it is a timely look. I use recent results, but I also use the overall, you know, 2023 picture. You know, I don't want to be victim of the moment and move somebody way up the scale just because they had one ride, one good ride. Like that's, you know, like let's take rider D Francisco in the 250 class. Like I'm not going to, if this was 250s, I'm not going to cram him up and into the rankings because he had one good moto. I watched a ton of bad motos this year and I'm not going to forget those based off of one result. And I will not do the same for this 450 class. So keep that in mind. If you don't like some of them, uh, it's, it's based off of, you know, there's a little bit of everything this week and the whole season and just where I think they're at. They're trending up or down. I get momentum a little bit too, but without further ado, at number 10, we have the first ever tie. The first tie is between Garrett Marchbanks and Ty Masterpool. And both of them have been, privateer heroes all summer long. Both of them moved to the 450 class, I think the same weekend at Hangtown, which is a little strange. But for March Banks, like he's been really good. I think he went 10-9 on the weekend, something like that. That's that's really strong. He starts were terrible, but his pace was really good. And uh, he's been much, much better since he moved to the 450. It's impossible to argue against this move to the 450. And, uh, yeah, I don't know him very well. I've gotten a chance to speak to him several times on the podium this summer. And I'm just happy that he's found some success because it's been a real struggle for him since turning pro. And, and I think there's been a lot of frustration uh, on his part that he hasn't been doing better. And then Ty Masterpool, if you haven't heard the story, you know, he had a case of appendicitis at uh, Ironman, has not done anything about it. He's been on heavy antibiotics just because he wants to race these three playoff rounds and make money. So if you're, you know, when I was talking earlier about the money part of this, it matters. Time Masterpool is real is literally drugging himself to be able to race. And he's not able to go the full distance because he's on so many uh, antibiotics that are taking all of his energy away. But he wants to continue racing to try to cash in on this playoff points fund. Uh, and he was doing a damn good job of it. Like his speed is undeniable. His starts are undeniable, but the fitness is really hurting right now because of things that are out of his control. So if you're looking for privateers to cheer for, those are really two two good options right there. Uh, number nine is Adam Cincerillo. And we're getting back to where this top 10 is almost all factory guys now. The field is much healthier than it's been. And AC had a tough go in that second when he crashed. Wasn't, I, he did finish, but it wasn't anything good. Um, but... AC was riding well. He had a really good lap time. At one point, he was at the top of the board. So that's a nice bounce back, you know, to show some speed and show that he's still got it. Uh, and I know he's happy there are no whoops in, uh, in these races to, uh, you know, that gives him much more grip strength for a longer, not having to hold on so tightly in the whoops. Uh, so, yeah, I would expect to see Adam at the front at least for a little bit in some of these races. He's a good starter and a good sprinter. So it, uh, I, w- I wouldn't be shocked to see him battling at least the beginning of some of these races for the lead. At number eight, Justin Barsha. And 
it's a pretty good day for Barsha. Nothing out of the norm, but I, I really thought he would get aggressive with uh, Jet Lawrence there because we know Justin likes to ride aggressively anyway, and all these guys want to take a shot at Jet for embarrassing them most of the summer, right? Like, they don't like getting beaten like that. And I think for everybody involved, whether it's Jason Anderson or Barsha or whoever, that first moto was a chance to kind of show Jet that they're they're factory winning level racers too. You know, and just because Jet's the hot new thing that seems unbeatable, these guys deserve respect and they're gonna they're gonna take their shots when they get their chances. That doesn't mean they have to be dirty or out of line or anything, but they're not gonna give an inch when they can they can smell blood in the water and everybody could see it in that first moto where Jet was vulnerable. And these guys are ruthless in that scenario. You know, for a guy that they didn't feel like they could do much with when they sense weakness, they're going to try to take advantage of it. And you could see it. You could see them going for the jugular in that first moto. Uh, but with Barsha, it was an okay day. Nothing special. I thought he would be better uh, being, you know, used to live in Charlotte. He's really good on that type of dirt, that clay like that. Uh, but it, it wasn't anything special from Barsha. Just an okay day. Uh, number seven is Aaron Plessinger. And similar, like he struggled in the rhythm section, never really seemed to kind of get going. Um, I didn't really talk much about him or there wasn't, you know, a lot to really write home about. It wasn't an awful day either. It was just kind of so-so. Like he was just kind of out there doing his thing. Um, and that's just kind of how it goes. It's it's not always going to be your best day, right? He he was on the podium the final two rounds of pro motocross. And I thought that was amazing. Uh, but this just wasn't, it was just an okay day. But also remember the field's deeper, right? We got Webb back. We got um, Ken Roxon back. So that's two more guys in there that are race-winning level guys to add in there to, to make things tougher. Number six, Jason Anderson. Similar type thing, right? If there's a theme here where they weren't necessarily in the race to win, but it wasn't a bad day. You know, it's, it was okay. It's just the level is extremely high. To beat Jet or Chase or even Kenny or Ferrandis on the day was a big ask. They were all on their game. They were on form. So if you were not, you were going to have a tough time. And that's just where a lot of these guys landed. Now, I do think Anderson has a chance to do something. I think when we go to L.A., I wouldn't be shocked to see Anderson on the podium or in a fight for a podium. Um, I don't know how Chicago goes. Chicago is going to be a really easy track, really fast, more motocrossy. So maybe that's not Anderson's perfect setup. But I do think we're going to see Anderson in the fight when we go to L.A. I, maybe I'm wrong. I just think the way the dirt's going to be, it's probably going to be hot. Um, I think Anderson has a chance there. Number five is Cooper Webb. And to be honest, I thought Webb would be a real factor this weekend. Um, you know, Cooper Webb is at his best when he feels disrespected, when he feels backed into a corner. And I think, you know, leaving KTM, a lot of people counted him out. He, I think he felt like he had a point to prove this is his home race in Charlotte. There was just a lot of, there were a lot of reasons to think Webb was going to be really good. And I think the starts were the killer for him. You know, if, if you didn't get a start on this track, life was very difficult and Cooper Webb did not get starts. So uh, we'll see what he can improve on, what, what they can fix this week. You know, I think he put a lot of the blame on himself leaving the weekend. He just said he didn't ride very well. So I like to see that, you know, I, I hate when people just blame the bike, blame the bike, blame the bike. Um, you know, personal accountability, it goes a long way with me and it, sometimes it can be the bike, you know, that's, that's okay too, but being willing to admit that you didn't ride very well. Uh, I, I really like that quality and, uh, it just says something about being willing to take, you know, take on some of the, the responsibility. Number four, Dylan Fernandez and what a weekend for Dylan. Like he rode 
tremendously well. Uh, for a guy who he blames the bike a lot, and I'm not saying he's wrong, but he, he does blame the bike a lot. And when things are right and when he's happy, he's extremely good. And we saw that this weekend. We saw it at Unadilla. We've seen it at certain times when things are clicking. He can go as fast as anyone on the racetrack. And uh, so it was just a reminder of that. Um, I do think he got a deal done for next year. I, I will wait for the uh, the PR to come out on that. But I think we will be seeing him again in 2024 racing motorcycles in the USA. So that's good news. Um, we want all the best competition. And, uh, yeah, Dylan Ferrandis absolutely brought it. Great job from him uh, in Charlotte. Number three, Ken Roxon. I mean, Kenny is, is so talented, right? And anytime we want to forget that or – we discount him or we think he's on his way out or anything like that. He comes in and reminds us how damn good he is. Like, it's just that simple. He shows us time and time again, why he's so marketable and why everybody wants their name attached to him. And you know, like why he has done the things he's done in the sport, because he is that good. Uh, there's just talent oozing out of every pore of Ken Roxon. Now it doesn't mean he always has the best results. We've seen him struggle mightily at times with his health, with his fitness, with heat, with all sorts of things, uh, fatigue throughout a series, like you name it, we've seen struggles from Kenny, but there is no questioning his talent and his ability to go fast. It's, it's beyond reproach. And he reminded us all, or at least anybody that was maybe like, eh, I don't know about Kenny anymore. Like he's getting older. Like where, you know, he, he showed us this weekend, he can still get it done. Um, got on the podium, really strong finish, was leading that second moto. Looked like he was going to run away for a minute. And I think if he was more fit, and I don't mean he's not fit, right? Dude, it takes his shirt off. He's ripped. Like, we know he's fit. But I'm talking fit enough to go flat out sprint speed for 22 minutes like some of the guys can. Uh, he hasn't been racing pro motocross, and he's just been practicing, which is really hard to replicate that intensity and pace for that long. Like, that's not his fault. It's just that is an element of racing. Like, there is no replacement for racing. You can't train and practice enough to be ready to do it like guys that are it, that's you know that's there's no getting around that i you know i i apologize for not having the vocabulary to correctly explain it but racing creates race shape for guys and at the highest levels levels i've never even thought about being at it's even more so um and i think kenny you know i, I mentioned to him on the podium like hey i thought we were you were going to run away there in that second one he's like well pretty hard to run away when you have guys like this to deal with chase and, and jet. And he makes a good point. You know, I like the, I like the honesty there. Um, but I still say if he was racing every round of pro motocross and came in as fit as humanly possible or as fit as he can be, I think he wins there. I really do. Uh, but we'll never know. Number two. And this is where it gets a little interesting. I have chase. I, I don't have a number one. I have chase at two because when you look at the season, Jet went undefeated, right? He beat Jet, or he beat Chase 22 times in a row. Or not every every moto because Chase wasn't there. But every time they raced this summer, Jet beat him. So for me to put Chase at number one after one win, I don't think would be fair. Now, is the gap close? It's pretty close. Uh, if Chase wins again in Chicago, he's going to one. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm going to throw that out there right now. He will go to one if he beats Jet again in Chicago. But for now, Jet has done enough to earn that number one spot. Jet's won five titles in a row. He went. He had a perfect season outdoors. He had a really bad weekend in, in Charlotte. We all know it. 
but I'm not going to let one bad, it wasn't even a bad weekend, it was a bad moto. I'm not going to let one bad moto change my overall outlook on Jet. I, I still think he deserves to be one, and I still think Chase deserves to be two. So we'll see how that all goes over the next few weeks. Uh, but that's where my head's at on these uh, power rankings. And I need, I know they mean so much to everybody, right? Like you're, I know you're sitting on the edge of your seat and just, you probably haven't slept since the last, pod, last podcast thinking about where was I going to have Jet and Chase. I, I realize that. Uh, kidding. But yeah, for me, it matters. Like I, I'm constantly assessing these two and their hierarchy because I, you know, I do all these shows and I'm very privileged to get to work with the TV team. And I have to talk about this stuff all the time and write about it and, um, I need to be very consistent and well thought out. Is that a word? Well, hmm. I don't know. It's a great podcast. Uh, I just need to know exactly what I'm thinking and why, right? Like I can't just go fly by the seat of my pants. I need to have reasons for my opinions and, and have, um, all the, all the different aspects of it already thought through and why. And if someone asks me a very pointed question about something, I want to be able to give a very pointed answer and an educated answer that I've worked over and gone, go, gone through both sides of. Um, I, I feel like that's part of my job and part of my responsibility uh, in the roles that I have. And that's where I'm at. So those are your power rankings for this week. Uh, that's your podcast for this week. We roll into Chicago. And if you haven't looked at the track map, which I doubt many people have, but it's really fast. Uh, there are some jumps. There's a lot of rolling loops. It won't be super cross loops, but a lot of rolling loops. But it's going to be wide open, uh, lots of clay, lots of sand sections. It goes like the length of the speedway, like really long. They're thinking like a minute 40 for lap times is what they're hoping for. But I'm just telling you, I, I wrote an article about it today on the track map, and it is incredibly long. Uh, not a lot going on, so it's going to be really fast, but long. So think like motocross track type long on the uh, on the parts of it are on the speedway parts of it are on pit lane uh, but it should be interesting I, I think it'll actually be more interesting than charlotte was charlotte to me was kind of boring as far as the track layout the option lane was okay the rhythm section was pretty tough but otherwise I, I thought the track was really boring this one's going to be different because it's so fast and uh, i like i'm trying to think of something to compare it to there there have been parts of atlanta motor speedway in the past where the tracks have been wildly fast. And that's what I think it's going to feel like. Not everything, because parts of Atlanta were slower and really big whoops at times. But that's what it's going to, you know, obviously the speedway is similar. But um, really fast straightaways and sweepers and, and not a lot to slow people down. That's what I'm thinking. So for the riders, they need to be thinking motocross suspension, right? Like, And, and when you or I talk about motocross suspension versus like a factory guy. It's a very different thing. Like their motocross setup is so stiff uh, compared to what you would, the average rider think is right. If you just grabbed a stock motorcycle and went out and rode, you're like, okay, this is motocross stuff. And, and for me, it's the same, but I've ridden a lot of factory motorcycles and I know where their settings typically are and it's wildly stiff. So even though it sounds soft being motocross stuff, it's still very, very stiff. I would encourage them to go softer. Uh, you heard that time and time again from the weekend, Jet Lawrence too, like my bike was too stiff. I couldn't ride it hard. It's going to be even more so at Chicago. So if I'm one of these guys, that's the first thing I do is just start backing out clickers, maybe change the shim, shim stack, probably don't change the spring rate too much, um, but I'm going to make that thing as plush and as you know um, forgiving as possible so I could actually charge the track. Uh, where Charlotte, I watched a lot of guys, they just couldn't. They're, the bikes were so damn stiff. 
the bikes were riding them, you know, instead of the other way around. And uh, that's not a fun way to be. I've been there. I've done it. You can't ride hard. You're like, you're, <clears throat> you are a victim of your own setting and you're just kind of just circulating the racetrack instead of like really getting after it. And the bike responds the way you want it to. And you can hit bumps wide open. Uh, that is there, there are a lot of guys this weekend that weren't able to do that. And uh, that's, so I, that's what I expect the biggest change to be. It could have been Hunter Lawrence's problem. I don't know. Um, I think a lot of guys will be doing a lot of testing this week after we've had one round in the books and trying to sort their motorcycles out. So thank you to everybody. Thank you to the sponsors of this podcast. And we will talk to you after round two in Chicago. Hey.